This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? Very well. What are you doing with yourself now that the thesis is handed in? <laughs> I'm waiting with anticipation to see how much more work I have to do um, uh, after the peer reviewer. But do you know what, Sam? I'm actually reading things that I've been wanting to read. Like I've got a huge book list on my Kindle. And uh, and I've started with it after our interview the other day with Apirana Taylor. I'm back to reading poetry again and I'm absolutely loving it. That sounds good. What a fantastic story that was about the, the book you've carried around for so long. And who are oh, well. we introducing today? Today is my great pleasure to interview to introduce someone who this is his very first ever radio interview. Todd Gibbs is uh, one of our local Fakatani people, massive supporter of our business community, devoted dad and husband, and an all-round good guy. Actually, uh, we do a, a little bit of sparring on social media from time to time. We promise not to do any sparring in the interview today, but just really lovely to have you here, Todd. Um, you add to. Um, a, a huge number of incredible people that we've interviewed over time. Welcome. Cool. Thanks for that, Mawara, and uh, good to meet you, Sam. Yeah. Yes, Thank Kia ora, Todd. Where are you, Todd? You're in Whakatane? Yep, Whakatane, probably about oh, 2k away from Mawara. <laughs> Different houses. And how was your bubble life? Yeah, it was, well, it was it was up and down. Um, when, we, when we went into lockdown last year, um, my dad was actually in the, he was, you know, right in the middle of uh, uh, having dementia. Uh, so at the very end of lockdown, he went to a home, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, other than that, like, it was great. It was cool to connect with the kids. Um, we had mum and dad in our bubble, so, you know, it was less stress on mum. But yeah, it was it was cool. We, you know, we cooked, we, we talked, we played games. We probably didn't focus too much on school, but that was never the biggest issue for us. Were you working from home yeah. as well? Uh, yeah, we were. We actually, um, being in finance, I worked for MTF Finance. Um, we, we we weren't doing any lending or anything, but we were pretty much um, eight to five every day, just, just looking after customers. You know, a lot of people were really uncertain about finances and, and what, they, what they were doing. So, um, yeah, it was just, just keeping people's fears at bay. Um, I think I think the biggest learning that a lot of people had out of it was uh, they can't buy booze and, and takeaways, so they're saving money, which <laughs> it, it did work out really well for a lot of people. Yeah. 
Was it a surprise to you that finance was essential or did you always know it? Um, I thought not not so much what we do. Like we, we do a lot of, you know, boat lending, car lending, all that sort of stuff. And we knew that, no, people weren't going anywhere. So I, I was a little bit surprised that we were deemed essential. But then when we got into it and, you know, we had phone calls constantly, just people concerned about, you know, how they're going to pay for things and, you know, just, just uncertainty around their finances. So it, it did make sense in the end that we, we were needed. Because it would have been a weird thing if they had said you weren't, and then what would they have done with, I don't know, mortgages and things that came due on during that date? It would have just turned to custard. Yeah, yeah. So it was um, uh, MTF were were amazing. Like they 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 jumped in really quickly and just sorted out a whole you know payment holiday thing. There was just a, a lot of stuff that we could do, but our our main our main concern was just trying to keep people ticking over because there'd be nothing worse than coming out of lockdown, you know, five, six weeks of people not being able to work. And then another few weeks after that of people still not being deemed uh, needed until level two. Um, you know, it could have been seven, eight, nine, ten weeks before people were actually getting paid fully again. So it was just trying to keep people safe and happy and realising that they can actually continue with life and and make their car payments, make their mortgage payments, make their, I don't know, Harvey Norman payments, all that sort of stuff. Um it, it was just more of a support role, really, which was cool. And you were doing a bit of a different side. You were doing that from home. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, on my fortieth, my wife made me a, a pretty cool man shed out the back. So every morning, I I got dressed in my uniform to make it seem like I was going to work. And um, yeah, just went and spent the day out there. And yeah, it was it was good. But uh, toward the end, at you know one o'clock, rolled around and beer fridge looked at me and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it called my name a lot. <laughs> and were you homeschooling at the same time? Yeah, we were. My um, my wife's actually an early childhood teacher, so um, she she actually looked after a lot of that because you know I was quite busy talking with customers. Um, but yeah, I, I jumped in. Um, my youngest daughter Zoe, she's eight. She discovered, she she's she does struggle academically. She's dyslexic, so um. Uh, she discovered a massive love of science. So every time my wife Chantal said, "Hey, we're doing some science," I was I was in there and did all these little experiments and chemical reactions, and yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. Posted them all over their kids' uh, their class uh, Facebook pages. Yeah, it was, it was good. Was it lots of sort of project work, or were they doing sort of worksheets of? Um, it was. Up in Ui school, where they go to, they were the ones that they actually had the big fire at the start of the year. Um, they were good. They just sort of contacted us and said, look, each week there's going to be a, a Zoom meeting with the kids um, just to really catch up and see how everyone's going. Um, and they just sort of said, look, you do what's good for you. If you're starting, um, if you're baking with the kids, you know, there's measurements, there's all sorts of stuff. If you're, I don't know, if you're, you're running around outside, set up an obstacle course and just, just have fun with it. So they they kind of said that they're not expecting us to, you know, sit them down for two hours and do maths and then do some reading and all that sort of stuff. It was just everyday life, you know, just, just do what it looks like for you. It's everyday life's got all sorts of learning in it. So so yeah, they, they did do some worksheets and my oldest Ruby, she's ten, she's um she's an absolute bookworm, so she'd disappear and read and do some stuff. So uh, they, they came through it pretty fine. Yeah. Were they happy to go back to school, though? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But, um, they, I think they were getting a little bit sick of dad's frustrations at them being under the, under our toes every, every second of the day. But no, they were, um, yeah, they were really happy to go back and see their friends. And well, it was really cool. They love connecting, you know, back with the family, playing board games and doing all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, they, they, they were happy to get back to their, their friends. You know, the kids have got to have people their own age around them. So, yeah. And getting back to your friends, how did getting back to work go for you? Um, yeah, it was just the same, really. Back to your friends, taking your lunch. Yeah, yeah pretty much. We were <laughs> we were just in a different building. <laughs> um, it, it was quite funny though. They um, uh, we did get like a big screen. We had one desk set up in the middle of the office where customers could come in, sit behind a big plastic screen, and um. And yeah, so it was different. No one came in our offices, so everyone just sort of queued up and waited behind this desk. But other than that, it was no, it was just normal. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have John Lennon. Imagine why this one. Uh, as I mentioned before, my dad's got dementia. Um, he was he played in a band when he was younger, and I've I've done the same as well. We both play guitar, and um, that was just his favourite song. You know, if we if we go somewhere and there was karaoke or something, this is this was his go to and it yeah, just a reminder of, of dad who who's kind of not with us anymore, <laughs> even though he's alive. You know, it's it's a sad thing. But yeah, it's it's a cool memory for me. Oh 
Um, you're a numbers guy. That's part of your job, and uh, but you're also a musician. So, at some point in your life, your imagination has been stimulated. Was and presumably your dad was a big influence. But how how do you balance the the numbers with the music? How does that work for you? It's 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 pretty it's pretty easy. Like the numbers, they get left at the door at work. It's um like I've been doing that for five years now. Um, before that, I I had a I actually took quite a lot of contract jobs, um, but originally started out working life as a songwriter, so the the creativity was already there. Um, yeah, so it's the numbers they they stay in the computer, they stay in the calculator, they stay in the office, and then you come home and um, yeah, the music the music's cool. Like we, I don't play as much as I used to, but um, my youngest daughter Zoe, her eighth birthday last year, I bought her her first guitar, so we often uh, we often sit down and have a bit of a bit of a chip away at it but um i do need to get her lessons because when it's your own kids yeah you don't have the tolerance and the patience so but yeah she, she's coming along good yeah how do you um do you how do you see music featuring in your future is that something you want to spend more time doing like maybe being in a band or something like your dad yeah well like I, I was in my early twenties. Like I lived in Wellington for a bit, and a friend and I used to busk and then sort of play a couple of just very little sort of gigs at pubs and stuff, um, just real basic stuff. But you know, 40, 42 now. That's um, you know, there's a lot of different things that take over. I, I just like playing in the, playing in the in the shed with the kids, and um, yeah, just it's it's just really a home thing now. Just put some music on, play along to it, and yeah, have them join in, which is pretty cool. My um my oldest is a she's a really good singer. She's she's taking music lessons now. Um she's with uh Stage Door, the performing arts place. So she's she's part of the Annie cast at the moment. And one of the teachers started doing music les uh singing lessons and asked for her specifically to, to do them. So so yeah, she's she's doing that. So hopefully we can um have our little little family band but not play gigs. <laughs> that sounds pretty good though, isn't it? And if um a music teacher that I'm quite good friends with always says that if we get our kids learning to read music at this young age, they're learning a whole new language. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then every other language they choose to learn later on in their lives just comes that much easier. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Like, I've got a lot of friends that you know they are musicians, um, far flung around the world, but they, I never actually learned to read music. I, I started to, and then I just kind of thought, well that just doesn't make sense to me um and so everything i've done is by ear i just listen to it and i start playing it same as my dad and um my oldest is the same and my youngest is starting to be a bit like that on guitar so i i do want her to learn music though how to read music it's just just another string to the bow kind of thing especially with her, her learning struggles if she can if she can pick something like that up you know it's, it's going to be a massive help for her absolutely so how did you make the transition? Because I'm blown away. I didn't know about the sign writing. So how did you make the transition from sign writing to running an MTF branch? So That's a I, big I, jump. Straight up, I, I don't run the MTF branch, but, you know, oh. I've, I've been the longest, but, you know, it's close enough. Um, but I, 
I was songwriting from, I, I, my uncle's a songwriter, so that's why I started doing it. It just appealed to me. I did that for probably from when I was about 16 to about 26. I, um, I moved over to Australia and I was working at a sign shop there very briefly. Um, and I, I just realized that pretty much every songwriter that I knew that owned a shop or managed a shop was on some form of stress medication. Um, deadlines were mental. It was, it was just crazy. So I thought, well, that's not really it for me. So I ended up coming back from Australia, came home, and I ran the office bar when it first opened. So I, I was managing that for a few months. And then I got a job in newspapers um, and sales, advertising and stuff. So I spent about 10 years doing that. Um, which was a transition from songwriting to advertising was pretty easy. Um, that's how I met a lot of people around the town. Um, and then I left the paper and I did term contracts. I worked for a podiatry clinic for a year. Um, I did another stint back at the paper for a year just to fix it up. Um, I spent a year and a half with an accountant. Then I went back to the paper for six months. And then I ended up at NTF for five years. So, yeah, a, a, a lot of different things. <laughs> Yeah, it was no real segue from sign writing to MTF. It was just, you know, it was, it was through contacts, through people I met through the paper. Um, I got offered little jobs to help them do stuff. And yeah, that's, that's how it worked out. In the Eastern Bay of Plenty here, we have so many social issues, so many struggles for a great number of our people. Uh, and there are so and many things contributing to that, whether it is um, loss of job or addiction or um, ends of relationships or or just you know anyone who's in tourism at the moment is just not making it. It's just so hard after the loss of all of our tourists, tourists first from Fakari and and now from COVID. Like, how do you view what's happening in our community at the moment? Are we actually doing okay? Um, it's like when we, when we talk the, talk about, you know, the, a big thing for a lot of people, doesn't matter what walk of life they're from, is the financial side of things. Um, our customers range from, you know, the, the people that are budgeting every cent to the people that don't really know what comes in their account. They just don't really care. So, um, we lately we've seen a lot of people, you know, people that, have some money they're, they're buying the toys they can't go on holidays so they're buying the toys in the caravans but then we we do have another uh section of society that are you know they've they've kind of after that COVID thing where they started learning we don't have to spend all our money on crap they've they've started you know saving they've got they've got money behind them so we we have a couple of customers that are beneficiaries you know like everyone they deserve cars they need cars um some of those people are actually our, our best customers. They're the best budgeters, they're the best best payers. That they, they just they're just awesome. Um, so I think I think we're seeing a lot of people uh, actually learning to, you know, live their life properly. Uh, or not that's that's the wrong word, but you know, live within their means, um, try and do a little bit better. But yeah, we, we do also see a lot of you know, we see a lot of heartbreak. You know, we have, we have customers that, oh my God, I, we can't we can't pay our bills because my partner left me or, you know, lost the job. But exactly what you've just said, it's um, but it, it's just about helping people through that and sort of understanding that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think since since COVID, since the lockdown, um, there are bigger issues. 
but I think people are a bit more resilient in, in understanding how to deal with those issues. And they sometimes just need a little bit of guidance. So yeah, it's, um, hopefully that answered your question. I kind of went off track there. <laughs> no, that answered my question perfectly. We've seen a big growth in the, the notion of well-being. I think when the government first started talking about it, everybody thought, whatever, you know, show me the money. But I think that the demonstration of the importance of it in the pandemic, that this is the this is the right thing to do to focus on the, the health of the people. And yep. from that, the, the, the economy will will will. will tag along on its coat ta- on, on the people's coattails which is of course the way around it should be yeah are you seeing that that sort of notion of the well-being working its way into into, into business yeah yeah it is so one of the big things it's it's happened like in little increments but since lockdown there's been a lot of law changes about how we we assess people's financial stability, I guess, and, and their well-being. Um, you know, it used to be uh, used to be sort of, you know, you could write things down on a napkin, have a chat with someone, go, oh, what do you pay for this? And you took that as gospel. Um, and now that's, NTF have actually been ahead of the curve for a long time in, in assessing that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just at the forefront now is, is how are people getting on? Are we overloading people? So... To give you an idea, as a, a financial service provider, it used to cost us probably about six, seven hundred dollars a year to register ourselves, and and be able to do that. And now they've, the government's kind of removed that, so it, it saves us a couple of bucks. But they've replaced it with responsible lending laws, so we're now governed by a lot more stuff to make sure people are safe and comfortable and happy. And I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is that although bad things happen to good people and people do get stuck and they get caught out and behind in payments, um, we've seen, a, I think, a, a fairly decent reduction in that just simply because the job being done properly at the start. Um, forefront with us is, you know, how how is everyone placed? You know, are, are you comfortable with this? Can you do this? It's it's not so it's not just about oh let's let's do a loan and get these people a car and we'll make some money off it because what's the point you know if if you don't do that job properly um, everyone loses you know everyone people think oh if you have to repossess a car and thankfully we don't do very much of that at all but people think oh you're just going to take my car sell it and make some more money off it but the reality is is that lenders will lose if they have to repossess a vehicle or repossess anything they lose they you know you're, you're well behind so. That's the biggest thing is that we need to make sure that what we're doing uh, is, is making sure that people are still comfortable. Do you think that has stuck in the way of a, like a culture change? If that law was to be taken away tomorrow for some reason, do you, do you think it would stick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it becomes the new norm for us is that we, we fall into the you know, we, we start doing what we're doing. We're, we're doing all these assessments. We're making sure everyone's comfortable. I, I don't see why you would ever change that. I don't know why you'd ever stop, you know, stop making sure people are happy and comfortable. You know, we, um, we our, our thing with my work is that it's not that you make, you don't want to make a lot of money off a couple of people. You want to, you might make a little bit of money off, off a lot of people. You know, it's, um, 
we've still got to pay the bills and that. So uh, we, we don't, you know, you see a few companies out there with huge interest rates. We, we don't do that uh, because we want everyone to be happy, everyone to be safe, everyone, want, everyone can afford to do what they need to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's become a, quite a big social responsibility for us to make sure that everyone's, everyone's comfortable. But I, I think those laws absolutely would stick. Even if they're taken away, the, the sentiment behind them would have to stick. And it's particularly encouraging that you're saying that coming from the the finance industry, but also the the the, the used car industry, yeah, which is you know probably maybe unfairly, but considered to be the biggest cowboys on in the country. Yeah. So, right. so yeah. if if it's yeah. making that much impact in in for you, then it suggests it is actually hitting the ground. It is working. Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, so traditionally, we've, you know, we've, they, they qualify things as like first tier lenders, which are your banks, and then there's third tier lenders, which are, I don't know what you, you might call loan sharks. MTF is always sat just below the banks. Like we, 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 we don't fall into the same category as a bank, but we, we, we try to give the same type of terms as what they do. Um, we've, we've had people, customers of ours that, that are working at banks uh, that, that have come to us because we've done something better than what their bank has. You know, it's it's more affordable than their bank. So um, I've had people that work at banks going, how do you, how do you beat us? Like, how, how, how do you beat us? And it's it's about being fair to people. It's, you know, you, you can't just sort of try and fleece every person that walks in the door. <laughs> you, you'd never stay around if you do. So hopefully that's kind of taken away a little bit of the stigma around used cars. Um, we know a lot of car dealers as well, and the the attitude of a car dealer has changed dramatically over the last sort of 10, 20 years. Um, everyone wants repeat business. Everyone wants someone else to walk back in the door when they want want something new. And if you've upset them and you've done something wrong, they're, they're not coming back to you. So, you know, we we kind of pride ourselves on having relationships with the customers. They're not they're not just a a person that comes in the door and we make a bit of money off. Like we we know. We know our customers. You know, I've, I've got people all over the country that they constantly keep coming back to us. Uh, a company in Wellington, they're um, a, a great company, family-owned business. They, every sort of three, four months, they're calling me, checking in. I call them as well. Um, and if they need to do something in their business or they, you know, they want to they get something else, a caravan or whatever, um, they, they call us straight away. They don't talk to their bank. They don't talk to anyone else. So... I think the biggest thing that's switched in things like finance is relationships with your with your customers. You, you have to know them. If you don't, what's the point? Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, now the arohan kia koutou ko tahua hau. I hope you're all having the best day before superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us, we are here together, we are alive together. Very fascinating, unique moment in time and 
for all of us experiencing this global learning and growing and transformation challenge together is so powerful. And of course now, particularly that we are such a globally connected society, we are all so much more aware that we are all here together and we are all so much more aware. Our own well-being affects the well-being of those and so of course our own well-being is so important and I know that for me understanding how to maintain my well-being, increase my well-being, all this is such a journey that I'm constantly learning and going down different pathways, exploring different approaches and it's just constantly shifting and changing in terms of how I best care for myself. So I really hope that for you over this time, you've had that beautiful surprise, new aspects of yourself coming forward, new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling, arising in you, and your innate creativity presenting you with many options of how you want to go about being you, caring for you, I know that for me, this last more than a year has been very challenging. And I think for all of us, we've had to say goodbye to many aspects of our previously trusted reality. And we've had to welcome new understandings of how we can in fact triumph even in the most uncertain and unexpected situation. As a species of course we're so adaptable and as a species of course we benefit so much from the nurturance of others and as a species we are built for nurturing. When we nurture we feel good. Physiologically our brain rewards us and emotionally of course we are enriched we are strengthened and not only nurturance but also when we communicate when we share our wisdom when we share our understandings again we are rewarded and this is such a beautiful aspect of us as a species that we want to help each other by teaching each other and learning from each other by sharing our experiences and our knowledge so I really hope that for you over the last several months you've had the opportunity to give yourself the time and the space to allow these aspects of you to come forward and I hope that you have found ways to recharge yourself. I had to move away from my very strict diet and exercise regime and move towards a more flexible and somewhat self-indulgent approach but this has been what has worked best for me and as we know really the only law that we must be aware of is that law of balance and we can always create rules for ourselves but whatever we can do to maintain that balance is really the best approach for us. I hope for you that you've allowed yourself the time and the space, flexibility, the kindness that you need and deserve. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Sam. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Todd Gibbs. Todd, are the, is it the same game for the, the new categories, new sectors? I'm, th- I'm thinking the, the electric vehicles. Is, is it just the same from your perspective? 
Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. Like every every aspect of what we do um, remains the same. You know, there's um, there's a question around you know what do people do with their rebates if they get a rebate? Does that go back into their loan? Does you know what happens there? Um, there's also the question of you know things like um, things that have a fee on it. Does you know do we now require a deposit because they have to pay it extra money on top of of the purchase of the vehicle? But um, it's so fresh and so new. We've there's, we've got a lot of guidelines around it that have been released by NTF. Um, our our support office in Dunedin um, do an amazing job. So they they're working behind the scenes a lot. So um, there's guidelines in place, but we we yet to see a big a big change. Like we personally in our office, we haven't done an electric vehicle yet um, since those changes. Um, I don't think the the fees are actually coming in until January next year. Um, so we haven't seen any of that sort of stuff happen yet. So I, I think give it another year or so, another year to 18 months, you'll potentially see a difference in how we do things. But on the surface of it, no, there, there doesn't seem to be that um, that need for a massive change from us. Um, yeah, it's, it's again just about keeping people comfortable. And MTF rebranded a couple of years ago, didn't it, to, to focus on the MTF rather than the, what the words mean. And that was about trying to to go wider than just the vehicles yeah yeah so um how it was originally viewed like i I don't know if you know but 51 years ago there was i think the six dealers down in dunedin um uh kind of decided that they could get on the in on this finance sort of part instead of leaving it to the banks you know might be able to make a couple more bucks um that's how it all started and it was just vehicles it was just cars and utes and vans and that's what it was and it'll be probably about 14 odd years ago, 13, 14 years ago now, they introduced the franchise system, which is where I work, is that we don't sell cars, but we provide finance. And that opened up the door to boats, jet skis, caravans, um, what they used to call non-standard assets, quad bikes, dirt bikes, you know, not registered vehicles. Um, But then it evolved into, you know, just people wanting a holiday. It's, It's like when people remortgage their house, refinance their house, and they might get another few thousand dollars just to you know have a holiday or do whatever they want to do but instead of it being a a 20-year loan term with that extra money built into it we do like a two three year term um they can have their holiday they can buy their toys they can do whatever they want and they pay it off quickly um they're not trapped in debt for for a big amount of time but um some of the coolest stuff we've seen like probably a year into it uh i had a lady that came in she she was in pain. She could hardly talk, and she had extensive uh, oral oral health problems. She needed six thousand dollars worth of work done on her teeth. Um, she went through the the dentist provided a finance option, but it was something like twenty eight percent interest rate. Um, she came into us. She had her her ute twenty five thousand dollar ute freehold, and we lent six thousand dollars against it. She paid it off in about eight months. And she had a, I think it was a three month waiting list to get into the dentist. So we called the dentist and said, if we put money in your account tonight, when can she come in? And they said 11 o'clock tomorrow. So um, the lady was going to have to borrow money anyway. She, she had to borrow the money to get it fixed. And instead of waiting for three months in pain and paying through the nose to, to pay that money off, we got her, she got in the next day and, and we got her sorted. So it's a pretty feel good thing when, when you can do that sort of stuff to help people. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Stayed Epiphany 
why this one? Uh, this is this is a bit of a dark story, actually. Um, when I was in my early twenties, I suffered depression quite badly. Um, I I I got caught in the in the middle of trying to commit suicide um, by my mother. Um, and yeah, it's just a just a big eye opener and. Um, just after that, uh, there was a, a friend of mine from, well, she became a friend. She lives in Tenerife. She's an English girl, um, Zoe. And she she kind of came into my life and I was playing this song and she was like, why are you playing this song? And I said, well, I, I was out the other side of it kind of thing. But I was like, it's just a big reminder of a really crappy time in my life. And she was pretty blown away. And we became great mates. But yeah, this song was, it's, it's a reminder of it, but it's also... A reminder that you get through the other side as well and um and the real cool thing about it is that zoe the friend of mine uh she's the reason why my youngest daughter is named zoe so yeah that's yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty dark and deep kind of a song
talking about getting through the other side. We seem to be getting through the other side of COVID, if we can get through the next few months. What are you hoping for in terms of the the reset? You, you're looking for a, a return to business as usual or, or something else? Um, I I kind of want to want to see it um you know continue as it is. Um, people people are more understanding of of their financial situations. People understand a lot more than what they used to. Um, I'll be honest. We've since COVID, since we came back after lockdown, we've seen a, a great uptick in business. It's it's been cool because people haven't been able to go for the trips overseas. They haven't been able to do a whole lot of other stuff. So we've had guys that have been going, oh, I've been saving for like a cruise, like a three-month cruise with the family. And we've got, I don't know, $15,000 saved. Like, okay, well, what are you doing with that? And they're like, well, I want to buy a boat. So they'll have they'll use that money for a deposit. They'll do all that stuff with their family, go to the lakes, go down the sea. Um, I kind of, but it, it's going to be great when, when the borders open up and when everyone can sort of freely travel throughout the world. But I really like the fact that a lot of people are, are spending their money at home. They're, they're doing stuff at home with their families. You know, it's like they go overseas and they do stuff with their families, but you go to Fiji, you go to the resort, you palm the kids off to the kids club for the day. Um, that people aren't doing that now. You know, it's it's that whole family life is is kind of coming back. It's So I, I hope it continues as it is. Like, I, I think realistically there will be a bit of a change when the borders open because people are going to, spend your money overseas but yeah i i hope it does continue um yeah i just i i hope there's not a massive dramatic increase in like interest rates through the through the central bank and all that um through the reserve bank um it'd be nice to see it sort of stay on an even keel for a while and just let people sort of reset and get to grips with you know you know it's it's, it's been 18 months since lockdown and people still kind of haven't come to terms with how life is yet um i just hope it you know it, it's going to be another you know six months to a year i reckon before everything's even looking like it's going back to normal so i hope people just take that time to sort of settle into the new normal and maybe that new normal was. maybe that new normal is something more about valuing that resilience that well-being yeah yeah i think so it's you know i it, it made people, it, it just made people understand what's more important about life, I think. You know, it's, it's, it's family. It's not the, it's not the big, the big splashy things you can put on Facebook about, I, I went to New York or I went to Koh Samui or I did this or I did that. It's, it's more about like, here's this cool photo of us going on a bushwalk or, you know, you, you've still got people splashing stuff on social media, but it's, it's more wholesome. It's more, it's it's just yeah, people are reconnecting with their families, and I think that's probably the best thing that could have happened. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, well, biggest success um, in twenty eighteen, I I was involved with Dancing with the Stars and Fakatani, the local one. Um, uh, surely, uh, I'm definitely a two-left-footed kind of guy, but um, yeah, we we spent six months training and and got up in front of a thousand people, and um, I was I was actually uh, dancing with one of the local uh, police police women. Um, 
but yeah, just a, a, a massive thing. We, you know, spent a lot of time learning rock and roll dancing and put together this whole performance and yeah, it was yeah, pretty proud of that actually. It was yeah, cool night. It raised a, a heap of money for um for Life Education Trust in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. And um yeah. And probably the, the other thing would have been uh, last year, three weeks before lockdown, we were involved in or I got asked to be involved in a charity fishing tournament that raised almost fifty grand for um for blue light, uh, Eastern Bay of Plenty blue light. Yeah, no, just just cool things that helped give back to the community. We are writing a book of these conversations. Actually, we're writing two books, and one of them has just been submitted. The okay. book that's still left to be written is called Tomorrow's Heroes. It is our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Oh, there's so many things I can say, but probably not good for radio. Um, the superpower that gets me into the mansion is, I'd love to say X-ray vision, but that's not going to happen. Um, determination is a superpower, I'd say. <laughs> and they kept shutting the door, but I kept pushing it open. There you go. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, not really, no. Um, I like to, I like to fight for what's right. You know, it's um, and sometimes I disagree. You know, there's activism out there, and sometimes I disagree with it. Um, but that's not my right to say that they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like the, I yeah, not so much an activist. I just. A moral compass is really what I've got. <laughs> I'd like to think I have. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, family um, is, is the big one. Um, especially what I mentioned before, you know, going through depression at a younger age, and it, it came back and bit me in the ass oh, probably about five, six years ago. Um, so, yeah, that, that gets me out of bed is, is the family. But... Um, just wanting to do the right thing by people you know you don't you don't want to leave this planet sort of thinking you you left someone else's life worse off you know you want to the big thing for me is getting out of bed and making sure i know you help someone do something good for them that day you know my line of work that that does you know of course people go oh, you're putting them in debt but everyone's got debt but if we can if we can help someone do something that helps them achieve something that's successful day so what is the biggest challenge or opportunity you're looking forward to in the next year or two? Um, biggest challenge is my kids turning into teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big scare on. But if I'm going to be selfish about it, my the biggest challenge for us is um, we've, we've been doing a lot of renovations to the house. You know, it's been a, a massive work in progress to, to make our house a comfortable place and it's just finishing that off that's our biggest challenge is is making our place good for my family you know good for friends good for anyone but um yeah i, I guess um professionally the biggest challenge is going to be you know what what does happen if things like interest rates rise you know what how, how are we now placed with helping people out you know if we've you know helped someone get their caravan or get their boat or get realize their little dream that they want um what if things change? 
know, what if things all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden we go from, you know, 10% interest rates to 30%, what do, what do we do? Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You know, there's, there's always a way through things. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, yeah, just keep sticking with your families. Keep, keep being happy and keep, family's the most important thing. Like, you know, if, if you lose your job or, I don't know, you've, you've got debt, you've got, you're carrying a lot of burdens on you, just keep with your family. They'll keep you through. That's I think I've realised that the most over last this last eighteen months. You know, like I said, with these house renovations, we've uh, we've moved in with Mum a couple of times. You know, while things have been done, um, I've watched my dad go from the life of the party, absolute like his dementia was extremely fast, so he's gone from the life of the party to pretty much a vegetable. Like he's just he's gone. So the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is is love the people around you. Stick with your family. That's that's all you've got when everything else is gone. That is very important indeed. Mawera. That's advice to live by for sure. Todd, um, this has been a really cool opportunity to get some insight into you, um, the side of you that I've never had the pleasure of getting to know. So I'm really stoked um, that you agreed to come on the show and um, and that you just shared with us that some really cool stuff that you're doing in the community and I'm uh, I'm really aware that you actually give a damn about people. That's so obvious and I'm really glad about that because so many of our vulnerable people need someone to give a damn about them. So thank you for all the work that you do in the community and thanks for your time today. And thanks to you, mate. You do a huge amount around this town, too. So I can't thank you enough. But thanks for we're, me we're a team, mate. Eh? This is the teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Oh, yeah.
Listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoons at three, and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Bare Naked Ladies. If I had a million dollars. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and also in Fakatani, we've been joined today by Todd Gibbs. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.